Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be joined by the wonderful Jenny Slate, who is the co-writer, voice performer, and producer of Marcel the Shell with Shoes on the movie. And in starting to talk a little bit about the development process of this film, because this has been in progress over the course of, of several years, I think it's been about seven years since you first started knowing that you were going to turn this into a feature. And, and in working with Dean Fleischer Camp, who's the, the original co-creator of the short, along with yourself, um, I was interested in how you used a lot of really small moments to build a much larger narrative of even just having instances where you would be recording little anecdotes or recording in the voice of Marcel singing the Eagles and sending things like this back and forth and how these tiny little building bricks in essence worked to kind of over time gradually build a much larger narrative story and a world for this character that you had originally created. Okay, so I think the, the answer to that is that we did have a narrative plan. So rather than kind of like hoping hoping that things formed a story. We did have the baseline of like, this is what we think is going on for Marcel. This is what will happen for him and um, and all of that. And then the rest of it, I think is um, unconsciously depending on a creative mindset that is completely open to um, things coming in. That is like, it's, I guess like a very inclusive mindset. And I do think, although I've never made a documentary, I would imagine that like, if you're making a documentary, you want the most to happen in your subject's life. Um, there's, there's nothing that would happen that would, um, not belong in their life because it's their life. And so I think, um, with kind of the, the backbone of the original story, um, we just kind of allowed ourselves to not be um, that exclusive in a way when we were recording and putting stuff together. Of course, like the editing process, you have to be pretty merciless. But um, over those years, there would be so many times when something would cross our minds and we would just be like, hopefully there's a spot for that and we would record it. And I, I think that's why there's a a sense of of realness to a character who is so obviously made up. And when it comes to to building Marcel's worldview, do you at this point always have a real sense of things that he would know or things that he would be introduced to for the first time? You know, he's a character who knows how to read and watches 60 minutes. Um, but then at the same time, that you know, Dean is the one in the film explaining to him what a documentary is and the movie that he's making. And he's being introduced to social media and the internet. Um, and so do you always have that, that sense of, okay, this is something that he would know from his life experience, or this is something that he's hearing or learning his information for the first time I think it's a little bit like you know you're let's say like you're you're painting a, a portrait of an unknown identity and like in the moment you can tell what feels good and what doesn't feel good and it just depends on what you see and what's connecting to your instinct but I think um you know a lot of it is like I don't know how to put this but it's like my mother for example like probably if you showed her a picture of like a huge movie star, like George Clooney, she might not be able to be like, that's George Clooney. But if you showed her a picture of like, I don't know, like, like the, the cast of Desperate Housewives, which is like the last show I can remember her watching, she'd be like, those, I know all the names of those people. It's like, you never know what part of culture, what part of the zeitgeist, what part of um, like technological advances are actually like, touching different people's lives. And I think like we were able to kind of be like, yeah, Marcel knows about this, but 
he doesn't know about that, you know? And it also makes sense, I think, that like, you know, he would know about something like 60 Minutes, which is a program that's aired for so, 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 so long, but that like, he doesn't really have the use for the internet. His community didn't really have the use for the internet. And so it just didn't really, it didn't really touch him until it did. And in terms of of the voiceover work on this, you know, obviously this is a voice that you previously created and have lived in, but there's such a difference between doing a voice for a short and everything that went into making a feature film like this. And I've heard you say that you kind of really found where it sits in your body even and just finding a lot of the essence of, of living in it and breathing in it for so many hours every day and recording this. And so what was the difference in the shift for you as a voiceover artist in taking a voice that you were so familiar with, but having a very different dynamic in terms of the performance? I mean, to me, there are some jobs where you really feel like, oh, this is voice acting and this is on camera acting. Um Marcel seems to sit in just a that one character for me sits in a completely unique zone. Um, to me, it feels like my most um, dialed in acting performance, like whether or not I am, you're seeing my body, I definitely feel how much I'm using my body. Whereas like sometimes if I'm playing a human being on screen, I can feel like I'm trying to control my body or position my body or obscure my body. Uh, and I feel uh, it can be very critical, you know, of like, does this look dorky <laughs> or whatever, you know? And, and um, this is actually like much more like using your body as an instrument that, um, that plays emotions that literally like is, think of it as a musical instrument and the sound that it makes is a human emotion. And how do you, um, how do you get to the truth of that? For some reason in this one character, I feel very confident in what I'm doing, but I don't know, maybe it is, maybe the character itself is kind of my like artistic soulmate. <laughs> it's so interesting. And, you know, even with what you're talking about, about the the physical embodiment and, and movement of the voice, you know, you've, you've talked a little bit about the, the recording of this and how it wasn't necessarily something that you needed, but if you were recording a scene where Marcel's in the living room, you would be in the living room to record that. So you yeah. would be moving around the different spaces in your own home to do it. Um, and even with Isabella Rossellini voicing in this, you know, recording on her farm upstate with her. And so how did that element of, of physical location and even just those tiny movements to a different room open something up for you, even if it wasn't a tool that you necessarily went into this thinking, this is something that I specifically need? Yeah, I, I think that um, when you are dealing with something that's so obviously not real and that if you if you lose focus or you lose your confidence, it can it can really, it could start to feel silly. At least for me, it feels really, really good to take it seriously in a way that isn't like too self-serious. So just like, you know, if you were playing restaurant in your house, in your childhood home, you would probably do that in the kitchen. You know, it just feels probably closer to a restaurant than in your bedroom or whatever. And I think it just um, really was a perfect combination of being real enough while still being playful. Um, and I also just think when you're in the real space, you can reference things that are there. And, um, you know, some people really love to like plan out their comedy. I really like to improvise and I think I work better under pressure in that way. And, and that's why we, uh, why we did that. But I mean, it was incredible that Isabella was able to jump into that. It was a really, really, 
new thing for her or, or new-ish, I think. And um, she was, you know, she acted like this is just like something that she does every day. <laughs> and when you were recording this as well, is there is there a consciousness of some of the breath work that goes into a character like this? Or is it that that second nature thing and that embodiment that you were talking about before? Because even just when Marcel gets very excited, you know, it's this very kind of breathy laugh and, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a very kind of minute, quiet voice. It's not about amplifying him to kind of make him sound louder. It's really about just leaning into the tone of him. Yeah, I did think a lot about what his laugh should be like because there's just a lot of versions of a laugh that I can do in that voice and some are just too cutesy and some are like weirdly creepy. And um, I I love that his laugh is like, it's just air. It's just like, <laughs> that's all it is. That's And sometimes it, it really is just about trying things on. And if you, it's just about what feels right. That That is a lot of what the performance is. I do feel like I, Kind of give a similar answer over and over again but um but it is it is that and um marcel is really small in stature and i think a lot of times like what what we do with characters like that is like find a way from for them to like beat the odds and be big you know and for us we were like but but this is what's interesting about him is his smallness and what that's like not like his smallness uh, that suddenly gets magnified, um, but just putting a magnifying glass on his actual smallness. So um, kind of knew what like rules to stay within there. And also just as like, as an actual voice, it's basically impossible to amplify it. So, so it's limited too. <laughs> And and with that idea of of his smallness being what drives it as well, I know that when you know when people were first interested in the idea of of coming to you and Dean and the idea of expanding Marcel's world into a TV series or into a movie, that you know there were even suggestions of why don't we put him alongside a you know a comedy actor and make this movie where he you know it's like the sidekick style thing. But for you, it was always so important that it came back to what you were just saying that idea of of his smallness, and so as you were all writing and, and conceptualizing the narrative, how did you make sure that whatever choices that you made for him, so even the idea that Marcel could end up on social media in the film and end up on 60 Minutes, that it still always came back to the intimacy of, you know, this is just a really small guy with a shell showing his world within the space that he lives in. Yeah, I th maybe that, what that is, is like, you know, do you ever do like kind of like a little ego check on yourself? Like you're like, am I doing this because... I want to do it or am I doing it because I think other people will think that I'm important if I do it. And I think we, um, you know, Dean and I and Nick Paley, our co-writer, were really mindful about like, is this something that Marcel would do or are we making him do it because we are insecure about whether or not the story is interesting? Because like, you know, that's the question, like the things that stick out, the things that can often um, dent or um, kind of just like um, taint a story is when you make your, you, your character do something that like you want them to do just so that you can prove that they're worth the viewership, you know? And like, it was never a question for me or Dean or Nick, whether or not Marcel was worth a feature film. And, and so, um, I think you do that little kind of like creative gut check a lot. And, and eventually it does become um, kind of involuntary. You really like know, you know what to do. 
I love what I love what you're saying there as well, because it's also something where throughout the film, you know, with with all of the interactions and all of the interviews, documentary style, he's showing off his world, but he's not showing off as a person. But there's a little element, you know, when when Connie is like, you know, I think it's good for him right now with everything that he's been through to have a little bit of a performance. And so did you always find that line quite easily if this is what it feels like for him to kind of like perform a little bit in his Marcel way to camera, but never be truly showing off and also just very earnestly wanting someone to come inside his world and learn more about him. I mean, yeah, you know, for a lot of the movie, even though Nana Connie sees in him, like, it's really necessary for him to actually be presentational or performative in one way or another. Marcel is kind of, he's innocent of, of like, of like, assessing his own instincts, like he doesn't do that. That's also, I think, why it's really nice to watch him, because he's not constantly um, checking to see how he appears. He does, even as a character who has doubts and um, who can be stubborn, uh, he does actually function pretty freely. And I think the way that he functions is actually um, an existence that's sort of like dying away now that we can all like, you know, take a photo of ourselves and immediately see it. And like, we can all say who we are on social media and things like that and start to kind of like be on our own campaign about what our identity is. Marcel doesn't know about any of that. And it's not his instinct to be that way. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I think it, I don't know. I, I think a, a lot of it for a lot of the film, it's like about presenting someone who like definitely has a psyche, but is not, um, hindered by it they're just like living with it I don't know if that answers the question but it it does and and when it came to kind of thinking about the the source material of the shorts that you all had originally made did you always have an idea early on of how you wanted to relate back to the relationship with that because even just the moment in the feature where he he says the lines you know some people say my head is too big for my body and I say compared to what like the moment you hear that you remember the first time that you watched a Marcel the shell um yeah. and so what made you want to make certain little choices like that that were carryovers for certain people watching I think we just um you know, there was a a part of it where it's like, we just, it's like putting your name up in lights. It's still your name, you know? And like the Marcel shorts were the original um, reason for why people loved him. And we thought like, well, people are just going to want to see that again. It's also a bit of reassurance that it's like, we haven't changed him. We remember why you liked him before. And we're trying to make something for you, um, whether you are, a fan from 10 years ago, or you're someone who doesn't know who Marcel is, um, this is like the way to get to know him. And it worked before. So, you know, we'll, we'll keep it again. And then we'll just expand. It felt like it was very inviting and um, reassuring. I also love the detail of, you know, in one of the original shorts that he was, you know, he was talking about how he always dreamed of the idea of owning a dog and was pulling around this little piece of lint. And then yeah. in the film, we get to see what is it like when Marcel actually has a dog and it's maybe not all he imagined because it's also quite terrifying for him because he's so small. Um, and so what was the genesis of, of wanting to, you know, bring an animal into it, you know, again, for that kind of callback element? Well, we did have a dog in, I think, the second video um, where where Marcel said, oh, God, I can smell his face. Um, and so and there, like there are just some things that 
I think we loved so much that when given the chance to show it to more people or remind people of that, we just kind of wanted to do it again. Um, sort of those were the hits and they felt really good and they didn't feel overused. So we put them in there. But I, I also think it's just really funny to see a character who says like, you know, like that they've, they've always wanted a dog and then, or, you know, that they're into dogs or something and they've fashioned themselves a dog out of lint. And then when they see a real dog, their opinion completely changes. And they're like, they're having a hard time with it. I mean, I, I think that is uh, generally like someone who thinks they want something and then they get it and it, they really, really hate it can often be, I mean, sometimes it can be tragic, but it also can be funny. <laughs> and in terms of the the relationship that Marcel has with Dean in the film, how did you find that balance of, you know, it's it's more of a verbal interaction than would exist in the shorts and it kind of needs to be for the world building with everything that you were talking about before, but still finding those elements of this is when it feels right to bring someone into the, the dialogue a little bit more. This is when it feels appropriate to have someone on camera, like when Marcel's the one filming him on the couch, um, you know, or the 60 minute stages and, and where does it still need to just be the essence of this is Marcel just monologuing about all of his observations around him. Yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, it didn't seem to us that like Marcel just monologuing was like going to be that interesting of a film um, that there, you do need to know who he's talking to, but it was um, a really interesting narrative challenge to figure out like how much of the character of Dean do you need to see? Do you need to know about? What are you saying if you're showing more about him? Like, and, and the entire thing, I think like we use that character to show more of Marcel, to show more of what he's like in a relational environment, especially since, you know, if, if you just know him as a character, who's like this guy who says this funny stuff and that he's lost his whole family, you basically get two extremes. But if you see him interacting with someone every day in what are kind of just like, they're like not intense interactions. Um, the, the stakes don't be seem very high for them to interact. Like they are, you really see them build a relationship. You, you just get to know him better. Um, you get to know him better as he builds something. And, um, but it was, there was like a lot of discussion about like, well, how, how much do we need um, of the other character. And I, I think it's nice that we see the character of Dean, like just enough. I love that. And, you know, even when it comes to the way that Marcel moves around his world, there's such a practicality to everything. And mm -hmm. so how do you all work to conceptualize, okay, if Marcel moves from here to here, how is he going to do it? Or if this is an object in his purview, what is he going to use it for? You know, we can take a tiny piece of pasta and he can play music into it, or right. if he's going to move around, it's a tennis ball or honey for the walls and really just finding these different narrative uses of objects. A lot of that is Dean and Nick just being really funny and really inventive and, and just coming up with those things. And then there are other moments where um, we don't have an answer. Like, but how did Connie drag that page of the book or whatever? Like, what's she using? And like, our rule was like, sometimes you just don't need the answer. Like, you're just not, you're not being tested here. If that's, if that's what an audience member wants to do, like, you know, like call us out. I, I mean, we haven't ever had that, but um, you know, 
Like, it's not a murder mystery. It's not like, but how did that guy get over there? Like, why would they ever know that? It's just like, sometimes, you know, and sometimes you don't know how it happened. And we're really comfortable with that. And um, what we're mostly trying to show is like an entertaining experience. And um, I think just to make sure that nothing so um, stunning happens that it's distracting. And with the narrative overall as well, you know, you were bringing up there that obviously one of the narrative threads in this is Marcel having lost his entire family and not knowing where they are. And so we also get to see what does it look like for a character Marcel with his, you know, incredible outlook on the world to also be navigating through the idea of of loss and a certain element of trauma. Um, And it feels like it approaches it in a very real way and that sometimes Sometimes it pauses him for a second and sometimes he's just throwing himself into 20 other things at a time. And so how did you approach finding the the difference of the emotional landscape of a character and really throwing so many more emotions into it through a storyline like that? Oh, geez. Um, I mean, I'm really, really trying to like come up with answers that are different (laughs) than the ones that I've given, but a lot of it really is just not pushing too hard, really understanding that if this were a documentary, what you would get out of it is like the sense of someone living their life. Like I think very few of us, and I, and I do actually think, I'm going to interrupt myself. I do think people are more aware now of sharpening the narrative of their own lives now, because there are so many like reality TV stars and there's just on Instagram, you can be the person that says like, my life is this, and these are the main feelings or, you know, but, um, but that's not what Marcel is. He is a true documentary subject in the way that like, you know, the, the ladies in gray gardens are, he is, he is contained within his experience and he's showing it to us, but, but he is inside of it. You know, he can't exactly see outside of it. So he's not really saying like, I'm traumatized, but I have a really good outlook. He's not uh, on a campaign for, you know, like, um, you know, showcasing his own positivity. He, I think like the, the, what we tried to show was a person who is making choices, who does know, for example, as Marcel says, like, I don't want to just like, like, I want to have a good life, you know, but that's, that's because he feels that way. It's the same as someone saying like, I don't want to just like, you know, eat a, eat like a weird sandwich that I found. Like I want to have an, I, I want to have like a, I want to set the table for myself. And like, even if I have scrambled eggs and that's all I have, I want to make them and have an experience. I, you know, like it's really cool if someone says that and that's how they feel. It's really gross if they say that so that you'll notice they're whimsical nature or whatever, you know? And I just think we tried to keep him on the line of someone who knows what he wants for himself, but is not concerned with making it look good for others in that way. He's not like skilled in the art of um, peddling around an identity. And that just creates a, a major rule and it, it does help uh, shape other things and and like there are things that are really really interesting to us like you know I I hate to be a spoiler but like at at the end when Marcel finds himself in community again um we took special care to show that for him he got what he asked for but he's not exactly sure how to be with it all the time 
and that to take breaks from what you've in fact hoped for um, is not like ungrateful or unwell. In fact, it's like a cool thing to do and it's not that big of a deal, but it is beautiful. So we no, just, you know, we like try, I don't know, just like finding our way. <laughs> I love that. And, and especially that detail at the end that you were just talking about. And, and in terms of, of, you know, going back to the voiceover work with this, what I find so fascinating about what this project really asks of you is to have a lot of fluid creativity and to create a performance that feels very spontaneous and of the moment and to really lean into a lot of improvisation. And yet at the same time, stop animation is also incredibly meticulous and detailed. And, you know, there were, there were different stages of going through recording everything at the beginning to have an audio track, then going through everything being storyboarded and then everything being filmed on location just without Marcel. And then the final step of, of Marcel being uh, placed into all of the images. And so within that, was there a certain point where you had to kind of be a little bit less improvisational, a little bit more specific in certain ways as the process journeyed in terms of the filmmaking or what was that relationship with those two juxtaposing elements of what you had to do? The most improv was definitely at the start in the recording of the audio play. Um, but then when we would re-record when Nick and Dean were really starting to sculpt the script and, and write things in, we were, we, we still improvised a lot within that. Um, but yeah, I mean, after a while, you just can't because you're, you know, you're locked in there. Um, but I, I, I mean, my voice recording was really, was really finished, mostly finished before all of that other stuff began. Um, we did a little more recording of voiceover after things had been animated. Like I remember doing voiceover, um, for that last scene and part of that last scene, if I remember correctly, like the what Marcel says about like really enjoying the feeling of himself being connected to everything. I believe that was actually, I know I improvised that. I think it was during a, just a different thing that was meant to be like, it was just kind of like a random thing that got put there. And then Dean called me back in and had some copy that he had written about like how it was just like Nana Connie to, to lead me to that place. Um, and so that also, because it's voiceover and there's not like a mouth for a body position where you're going to be out of sync and it won't make sense, um, I could improvise a little bit within that just to make sure that it flowed into what already existed. So, um, yeah, I guess we, I guess we kind of kept it open till the end, just in terms of the voiceover. But, um, but yeah, and there's also a lot of audio that we just didn't use. That's so hard to part with. <laughs> I can only imagine. I mean, I, I love all of these details about everything that went into making this film and everything that you've built off of the back of the original short. So congratulations on everything with the movie. And thank you so much, Jenny. Oh, thank you for having me. I hope you have a nice day. Thank you. <laughs>